our reading of God's word today comes from Ephesians chapter 3. I invite you all to rise as, as we read God's word here this morning. So Ephesians chapter 3, starting at verse 20 and 21, and it says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is our reading for this morning. You may be seated, and then I would invite you all to join me in a word of prayer as we prepare for our message here today. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for the gift of another day. God, we thank you for the opportunity to be here and in the presence of, of our fellow believers, and God, just to be in that fellowship. And we pray today that you would speak your word into our heart. God, I pray that the message today would not be mine, but it would be yours. And, and we pray this all in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. So um, as, as you probably can tell by now, or if you're new with us, maybe you don't know about this yet, but during the month of October, um, we are focusing in on our, our Dream Big initiative, and, and Bob was very kind to, to film that video uh, earlier this week with us, and you know we uh, were able to edit and kind of add some highlights to what he said, but I can assure you there were plenty of other wonderful things that Bob had to say. We, we love his heart and his spirit for serving here in the church, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Last week, we talked about loving God with everything that we have. And today our theme is serving God with everything that we have as part of his church, the body of Christ here on earth. And so um, we are one year into this Dream Big initiative. And as we look back on the past year, going back to last October, what we can say is that God has been so faithful in walking alongside us during this time. That, that we have met and in a lot of cases even exceeded the goals that we had set for this initiative. And that can only be explained by the power of our God that works with us. But with that in our minds, we look forward to year two with a lot of confidence and faith that our God will continue to walk beside us, to, to bring us to the completion of this initiative, and to get us to the point where we need to be to do the work that, that he is calling us to do right here and right now in Omaha, Nebraska. And we're extremely excited about the things that we believe that God is going to do through us, through, through Grace Hill Church, through the people that call Grace Hill Church their home right here. But I want to step back for a second and think about a phrase that we have used off and on throughout this initiative. And it's, it's this idea that before God does something through us, oftentimes he does something in us. That oftentimes God is working in us to, to prepare us for the great things that he wants to do through us so that we're ready and prepared to do that work. And so last week, Pastor talked about what it means for us as individuals when we reflect on the time and talents and resources that God has blessed us with, what it looks like for God to, or for us to put God first in all of those things, to love him with everything that we have. And today we're going to be talking about what it looks like to serve God with everything that we have. And so I pray that for each one of us here at Grace Hill Church, that his Holy Spirit would be active in our hearts, guiding us, molding us, shaping us, even pruning us, as Scripture often says, so that we're prepared to produce the fruit that he wants to produce through us. And, and as we talk about God first doing something in us before he does something through us, that's certainly true for us as individuals, but it's also certainly true for us collectively as his church here on this earth. So, so that's what we're going to be talking about today. And I think when we hear that word church, 
different things may come to our mind about what church means. I know for me, I, I grew up in a small town, Ruskin, Nebraska. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of Ruskin, Nebraska. It's a town of about 150 people, and on Main Street is our Lutheran church. It's, it's a white building, long and narrow, and it's got a big steeple out front. Whenever I hear the word church, that's what comes to my mind. St. Mark Lutheran Church in Ruskin, Nebraska. And, and maybe some of you have a similar thing that comes to mind as you hear the word church. Or maybe for you it's more of an image like this, a worship space like what we here, have here at Grace Hill Church. Or, or maybe there's thoughts of you know, a place where you can come and build relationships with people. Or a place you get to come and, and sing some songs once a week or enjoy a delicious donut. But... For whatever comes to mind when we think of the word church, I can assure you that God's concept of church is much greater than those things. Those things are part of it, but God's concept goes far beyond all of those things. Because uh, when you look at the New Testament, it was written in the language of Greek. I know a pastor has touched on this once before too, but our word that is now translated as church in the Greek is this word called ekklesia. And ecclesia doesn't carry with it any idea of, of a building or, or a physical location. At that time in the church, usually they were meeting in homes. It was about gathering people together around a common purpose. And the purpose that they gathered around at that time is the same purpose that we still gather around here today. It's the truth of who Jesus Christ is and what Jesus Christ has done for us. He's given his life for us. So that's the purpose that we rally around. We see what, what ecclesia really is, is it's assembly of people, the same purpose. It's a movement. It's not just a random gathering of people. And the idea of this movement, it suggests motion. It suggests action. It's dynamic. It's not stagnant or sitting still. It's meant to spread out into the people and the places around us. It's meant to go somewhere. And so the word church, it's, it's not about a building. And neither is this dream big initiative that we're in the midst of. The word church is about continuing to build upon that same movement that started back then, some 2,000 years ago. It's about continuing to build momentum so that that movement can get out to further and further reaches and get to more and more people so that they can hear that soul-saving message of Jesus Christ crucified for us. Because here's the deal, the church... And we as members of God's church here in this world, the, the church is God's plan. The church is God's chosen instrument for achieving this purpose of spreading his movement and getting that message out. So we read in Ephesians 3, the apostle Paul tells us this, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. And here in verse 10, he tells us this. His intent, God's intent, was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. It is God's intention that through his church here and now, he's going to reveal the wisdom of his gospel message to the people of this world. See, we are God's plan A. God doesn't have a plan B or C. We are his plan to get that message out, that message of salvation and redemption to all who hear it. 
Now, if you're like me, I take a step back and I, I have to ask the question, God, why would you choose us to do this work, which is pretty important, right? This is a big deal, this work that he's doing. Why would he choose us to do it? Wouldn't it be easier or, or more efficient or more effective if he just did it himself, right? Maybe, you know, once a week he could just kind of write it in the clouds for us, like, hey, Jesus is your Lord and Savior, just, just here to remind you once again, or, or maybe he could, you know, take over the airwaves and, you know, interrupt your previously planned programming from a message from God, and he would get on there and say, hey, Jesus is your Lord and Savior, I feel like that would be a little more effective, but, but I'm not God. I don't, I don't know what he knows, and so God says that no, my plan is to use my church to get my message out, and that's what we are a part of here today. And what that makes me think of is um, a picture kind of like this. So when I grew up, uh, my dad was always working on some project in the workshop. You know, he, he liked to restore furniture or build things for my mom so that she could decorate in the house. And, and some of my favorite memories of that time was when my dad would welcome me into some of his projects. And, and he would usually set me up for success. He would show me, okay, pound this nail right here or you know, put a little glue here and stick this piece on right here. Um, if I was uh, getting in the way or causing problems, he might say, here, here's a block of wood. Go stand in the corner and sand that until it's perfectly smooth to get me out of the way. That, that block of wood would usually, though, make its way into the project. And for me, in the midst of that, I was so focused in on these little jobs he would give me, I didn't want to mess it up. But what that led to is that I missed out on what was taking place, the bigger picture, so he and I would stand back at the end of the project, and, and we would say, wow, look at what we built. And, it, and as I look back now, it's, thank you, Dad, so much for letting me be a part of something bigger than I could have ever done by myself. Or, or I've seen pictures like this recently. A dad's out mowing the lawn, and, and their child is using his little plastic mower to, you know, get all the spots that he missed along the way. It, it's a great picture, and once again, the father doesn't need the help but it's more about him inviting his child into that bigger thing. Or, or lastly, my wife, she does a great job of including our daughters in, in baking projects that she'll do. I unfortunately have to kind of remove myself from that because when you get seven and five-year-olds cracking eggs and, and stirring things with a lot of excitement, my OCD self just can't quite handle the mess that usually results. So, so I step away, but when I come back, I see the joy on their faces as they, you know, pull a tray of muffins out of the oven. Or, or when they come to me with a plate with one of the cookies they helped make and they say, Dad, look what we made. And I think something similar is going on when we look at God's use of his church. He certainly doesn't need us, but he invites us into something much bigger than we could ever be a part of in and of ourselves. He says, I'm going to use my redeemed people that I have saved through the blood of my son, Jesus Christ. He's saying, hey, you have been rescued and redeemed. Now come along with me as we go out and rescue and redeem more and more souls that need to hear this message. See, as God's church here on this, or, uh, here on this earth, we all have a role to play. Sometimes uh, our role, it may seem small to us, but in God's hands, it does very big and important things. That's true for God's church throughout the world, and that's true for Grace Hill Church right here in Omaha, Nebraska. We all have a role to play. 
You've probably heard us say before that, that we need about 30 to 40 people every week to make all of this work. We need people out front greeting and welcoming people as they come in those doors. Uh, we need people in the back scrubbing toilets, people serving donuts, and preferably those would not be the same people on the same day, but, but we, uh, you know, beggars can't be choosers. We'll take all the help we can get. Um, but there's a lot of jobs to do. We need people uh, singing and running the tech equipment, teaching kids church on Sunday mornings, leading our youth on youth events, serving during our monthly serve events. We have a group of people that make meals for families when they're going through a difficult time. We need people constantly in prayer for the things that our people are bringing before God here at Grace Hill Church. And we need people who are skilled in all kinds of different areas. When we built out this space, it was amazing to see how many people in our congregation had construction and building skills. I mean, when you look around, what you see is the work of a lot of the people that are sitting next to you. We had people that owned their own businesses that, that dealt in the products that we needed. They say, hey, let's help you get a good deal on those products. Or, you know, in our video today, our very own Bob Drexel, he owns his own HVAC company. And time and time again, I'm on the phone saying, Bob, the air conditioner sounds a little rough today. What, what do we do? We need people that are gifted in a lot of different areas. And it's so incredible to see how God takes care of his church here in this world. He, he equips it. And he, he provides it all that it needs to get the work done that he has called us to do. But what that means is for each and every one of us, we all have something to offer. We all have a role to play. Each and every one of us is needed as part of this bigger movement that God has started. And this brings to mind another analogy that, that the scriptures often use to describe the church, and that's of the body of Christ. That Christ is the head of that body, but that you and I as members of the church, we make up the hands and the feet and, and the arms and the legs and the fingers and the toes and everything else, and that every single part of that body is important to allow it to function as it's supposed to. So the question that we start asking ourselves, and, and I'd encourage you to write some of these down in, in your booklets if, if you have those available. The questions that we need to start asking ourselves, first of all, is, what are the gifts and the talents and the time and the resources that, that God has given to me to use in the mission of his church? We need to start thinking about that, asking for God's wisdom so that we can discern what are those things that we have been given that can be used as tools for his kingdom. We need to step back and we say, well, what is my role going to be right here at Grace Hill Church, the church that's part of God's larger church throughout the world? Now, it's true that all of us have a role to play. All of us have gifts and abilities to bring to the table. But I think another thing we have to consider is that as we bring all of those gifts and abilities together, is that there's an art to making all of those match and mesh and mingle for a common purpose and for a common goal. And it made me think of another story. Um, we were uh, at a family gathering one time. And my step-grandpa had put together this game where he took two two-by-fours, probably just found them in his barn, and then tied some rope around them so you had handles. And there was about five different sets of handles, and then each person, the right leg on one two-by-four and left leg on the other two-by-four, and we had to figure out how to go quickly enough to race the other team and beat them. It was something kind of like this. I've already explained to you that I grew up in rural Nebraska. Sometimes when you're in amongst the cornfields, you have to make your own fun. And so that's, that's what this ultimately was. 
Um, but we found out very quickly is that if not everyone is pulling and moving in the same direction, either you fall or you're so slow you have no chance of winning that race. That everyone needs to be pushing and pulling and working together. And the same is true of God's church. That we all bring our gifts to the table, but there's an art to figure out how they all fit together. And that gets me back to what we said before. That before God does something through us, oftentimes he's doing something in us. So what might it be that God is doing in his church to prepare us for the big things that he wants to do through us? Well, the Apostle Paul gives us a clue as we get into chapter 4 of Ephesians. He tells us things like this, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope, when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. He jumps to verse 15. He says, Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. That body that grows itself up in love as each part does its work. So the Apostle Paul is telling us that as the church, we might at times need a little bit of humility. Maybe, maybe humility to step back and recognize that while we bring our gift, our gift isn't the only one that matters. That, that we step back and we appreciate the gifts that others are bringing to the table too. To set aside our own agendas at times and realize that the larger mission of the church is what comes first. The Apostle Paul tells us we're going to need some gentleness along the way. Maybe there will be at times you need to gently spur on your brothers and sisters in the church to share the gifts that you know that they have. Or maybe at times they, they're jumping in full speed and you say, Hold, slow down, let's find a way to use this gift effectively and efficiently. That might take some gentleness to wade through those conversations. Paul says we're going to need patience. Who here could use a little bit more patience at times? I'll be the first to raise my hand. I think we all would say that we need a little more patience. And as we use humility and gentleness and patience together to, to share and help each other use their gifts to the fullest ability that God has given them, he tells us to bear with one another in love. We've talked before about how the church can sometimes be a mess. That, that as we bring a large group of people together, all of those people bring stuff with them. And at times, we might need to help each other carry the load that's weighing us down so that we all can be more effective in using our gifts for the mission of the church. He tells us to, to work to keep unity, to share peace, to speak the truth and love, and encourage each other to grow up into maturity. And so another question that we need to be asking ourselves, in addition to the couple that we already mentioned, is this. What are the areas of my heart that might need some adjustments to help me be effective in helping build up the church here around me. This process, this mission that we've been called to, it's not always going to be easy. At times there's going to be challenges, there's going to be disagreements that threaten to pull us apart. You know, a, a building project, historically speaking, is one of the most challenging seasons that a church will walk through. There's going to be times when not everyone is on the same page, but God is calling us here to be unified, to do everything that is in our power to promote peace, to seek agreement, and through it all, to remember that we are be, to be connected as one, just as there is one body, and just as there is one Lord, 
who is the head of that body, the church. It certainly is a big job. It, it at times will seem like a daunting task, but as we close here today, I want to go back to our reading from Ephesians chapter 3. And I'll read that once again. It says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. It's a big job, but we can take comfort in knowing that the one who's doing the work, that's doing the job, is God himself. God is the one who has the power. God is the one that gives that power to us as he works through us to carry out his mission, that he may be glorified and that many others may come to be saved through that message that we share. He's the one that's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, even if we wanted to. We couldn't dream up the big things that God is able to do. We probably aren't even able to dream up the things that he definitely will do through us here in this place. And you know, the title of this initiative, it's Dream Big, but, but we aren't dreaming big because there's anything particularly special about us. We're dreaming big because of the big God that we serve, and that's walking beside us all the way. As we said before, he's helped us to meet and even exceed our expectations and our goals throughout this process. And I want to say, too, that we, in fact, serve the God that has already done such great things. By, by sending his son, Jesus Christ, who in his great love for us willingly became the sacrifice that bought us forgiveness for our sins and reconciliation back to God. And that is the mystery. That is the gospel message that God is intending to share. It's the message that he intends to use us to get out into this world as a part of his movement. And so I pray here today that our Lord would continue to guide us in finding uh, out how we are being called into that movement to be part of God's body, his, his body right here, his church. Will you join me in, in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, um, we come before you here this morning. And God, we enter now into a time of confession. God, it's true that as we reflect on the gifts that you have given to us in our life, that at times we have sought to, to serve ourselves with those gifts before we even consider how we can use those gifts to serve you. And we have squandered the incredible gifts and abilities that you have given to us. We have at times held those gifts so tightly to our chest that they weren't able to be used for your glory as they should be. Lord, we have also often failed to promote the unity and love and peace that your church is to reflect here in this world. And so, Lord, in this time of confession, we ask for your mercy and for your forgiveness. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, help us to fulfill our call to be the members of his body here on earth, to help us to serve you with all that we have. You know, God in his mercy, he has called you to be his own. He has welcomed you into his family, and he has given you a very important part to play. He has given you a new purpose and a new identity as a redeemed member of the body of Christ, his church here in this world. That is who you are now. There's nothing more true about you than that you are redeemed by Christ and the blood that he spilled on his cross. That's who you are, and that's the life that he has given us to walk in. Because of the death and resurrection of Christ Jesus, all of your sins that you have confessed are forgiven here for you today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
I pray that as you leave here today, that you become more aware of the gift that you have been given, that the Holy Spirit would work in your heart, help you to grasp how far and how wide and how deep is the love that our Father has had for us. And I pray that you leave here knowing that today. And we pray this all in the name of our Lord Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen.